Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us today for Doing Mr. Rogers, where your hosts, Megan and I, each watch an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes, the kids' show from your childhood. And we continue to learn from its surprisingly mature insights and relevant wisdom. And we pull our major takeaways out, and then we discuss them here with you each week. This week's episodes are Mr. Rogers Talks About Growing from 1991, and Mr. Rogers Makes an Opera from 1980. You can find links to these episodes on our site at doingmrrogers.com. Hey, Kim. How was your episode this week? Hey, Kim. It was great. Um, I really loved it, and it kind of brought me down um, a historical route, which was pretty cool. So I'm just going to jump right in. Cool. Um, so it says Mr. Rogers makes an opera, and it's kind of about that. As you know, like, they cover so much. So I feel bad for the guys that have to make, or gals that have to make the title for each episode, because they cover so much. Yep. So there's a little opera in there, and I'll start with that. Um, it's I'm going to skip right to Make Believe Land, which usually happens, like, mid-show. Um, so they're in Make Believe Land, and they're playing with bubbles with the king, all these people. And the king... Loves these bubbles, so he decides he wants to create an opera of bubbles. So everyone in the town kind of gets busy getting ready for the opera. They're picking their characters and practicing singing their songs and learning how to incorporate bubbles into their act. And just a big hoopla going on. Um, at one point, uh, Mr. Clemens, who's a police, a police officer on the show, he shows up to deliver bubbles to Daniel the Lion. Um, they start blowing bubbles, and Daniel says, how are they blowing the same color bubbles if we're different colors? Because Mr. Clemens is a black man, and Daniel is an orange and black tiger. Um, so he says, you know, you're black, but our bubbles are the same color. How does this work? And Mr. Clemens says, because bubbles don't have anything to do with the outside of us, it's the breath from within that makes the bubbles. And then Daniel kind of ponders that and they blow some more bubbles. And he says, well, how can we all look so different on the outside, but we're all the same on the, on the inside? And there's a little pause because that's a big question, right? And uh, sure. Mr. Clemens responds by saying, you know, that's a very good question. I don't know. Which, first of all, I love that he says that because you can't really tackle. <laughs> there's no answer <laughs> about why racism exists and all this stuff. Um and so he says, that's a very good question. I don't know. We look very different, but we have the same feelings, right? Um, so then they talk about their feelings and how similar they are. And then it kind of moves on from there. And Mr. Clemens brings the bubbles back to the king. And they start talking about getting the opera together. And then it goes back to Mr. Rogers in the real world. Um, and Mr. Rogers starts talking about how we're all human beings. And because we are human, there are many things we have alike. For example, we all need to be loved. And he says, everyone you see in this world needs to be loved. Everyone you see on the street, everyone you see every day needs to be loved in this world. And the marvelous thing about being human is while we're all very much alike, each of us is very different too. And he just kind of leaves it as, isn't it great we can care about one another the way we do? And then he starts into his song, which is a favorite of ours, which is very recurring on the show. Um, that is the song that says, it's you I like just the way you are. And then he cuts out and the episode ends. So I loved this episode because it 
you know, briefly touched on race and just kind of covered it without going into a long discussion and kind of showed kids a little bit into how, you know, yeah, we can be different colors, but we're all the same. And they don't, the thing with Mr. Rogers is he presents this stuff, these complex thing, problems in our society and presents them so simply to kids. And it's really beautiful. And, you know, this show has been known for addressing race and breaking down racial stereotypes. Um, one of the most popular examples of that was in 1969, which of course was a turbulent time in race relations and racism in this country. Um, 1969 was a year after Martin Luther King Jr. was shot and um, the same year that James Earl Ray pled guilty to assassinating him. There were tons of college protests that got some of them deadly because of students protesting racist policies and white students protesting against them. Um, and then in 1969, too, that's when Fred Hampton and Mark Clark, two leaders of Black Panther Party, were drugged and assassinated by Chicago police and the Illinois State's Attorney's Office. So 69 is just notorious for things are, are terrible. And things are terrible, but people are working really hard for racial justice. And this episode in 1969 that I was referring to that many of you might know, have heard of, or maybe have seen or remember or have read about, it's when Mr. Rogers invited Officer Clemens, the same guy in this one that I just watched from 1980, um, who is the black police officer on the show to join him in the front porch and cool his feet in a small little black mm -hmm. kid's pool. Have, do you know that one? Have, have you heard of that story? I actually think we did it on this, didn't we? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> My memory is bad. This is where... I think you watched it, actually. Oh, I did? Okay. See, this <laughs> This is where, listeners, I have to disclose I have a thyroid problem that makes my brain <laughs> stupid. There is no need to. I, I say it's a gift. We can watch all these all over again, and they will, they'll all be new. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah. The, the only people <laughs> that are going to know are the listeners. And we'll just keep They're not playing that close of attention. Yeah. We'll just be blissfully <laughs> ignorant. Yeah. We're happens. not in the background while they're doing something else, I'm sure. <laughs> So this 1969 episode that I've watched and clearly talked about on this show, but totally forget. Um, I, I've heard about this before I got into Mr. Rogers as an adult. And um, it's when they, you know, they get in the pool and they sit next to each other and they like touch feet and they use the same towel to dry their feet, which is huge. And these two really broke a well-known color barrier at the time because yeah. even though in the 1964 um, act against, what was it, Civil Rights Act of 1964, there you go, um, outlawed segregation, pools were still segregating like crazy and blocking people of color from coming. Um, and this was largely because white people still believe black people transmitted disease and white, a lot of white people also believe the bigoted idea that white women needed to be protected from the, you know, their stereotypical idea racist idea of a predatory black man so even though you know five years later they're not supposed to be segregated you know they're not letting people of color into pools into problems so 
this was really a radical act by these two people, Mr. Clemens and Mr. Rogers, and pretty effing cool of them to do that on that show at a time where this was like a total big issue. So sure. I just love Mr. Rogers for that. That's funny. I, I do too. He, and he does it in such a non-confrontational way, such a subtle way that, you know, and, and I'm a huge believer in this. So he, he does it in a way that to try to genuinely change people's minds as opposed to get his point across or get his message out or, you know, put it in someone's face, if that makes sense. He just, he genuinely does it. So to try to change the world for the better and in doing so, the approach he takes is just a subtle one. It's just, it's behaving by example. Um, And it's not being afraid to talk about things very calmly, very openly um, without his own any hatred or any anger or things like that. And it's just, it, I, it's so powerful. And it's, I really think his bravery in the show, honestly, to talk about a lot of this stuff that even nowadays, you and I have talked about this, that nowadays I think people would be a little bit, you know, even some, but even like, I think feel like we talked about the one with divorce or different parents or something like that. We talked about this where just, you know, a little bit, I don't know, prickly maybe is the right word. Um, but he was, he just did it in such a very subtle and calm and honest and kind way um, that it just, it can't help but get through. I think that's fantastic. So the quiet, subtle approach can be really effective, especially with children, I'm sure, mm-hmm. who learn by scene. But also, like you said, for adults, like let's say, uh, a white family who believed that pools should be segregated were watching at that time. Maybe that just made them think slightly differently about it or turn something on in their brain because obviously they're letting their kids watch Mr. Rogers and they respect him. So that subtle, quiet, yeah. don't hit him over the head approach is like so not what I do. And I. <laughs> Most people don't, especially these days. Everything you see, right? Everything. I, I can't even watch any news of any channel because it's so angry and it's so heightened and high intensity and stress. And it's just, it's just a shoving. It feels like shoving. Um, and it's, so it's, it's, you're not alone. I think all of us, so many of us, everyone, <laughs> it's kind well, of crazy. I mean, I'm kind of okay with it, too, to be honest. I love his approach, but sometimes I like my approach and others' approaches that that do get angry. There are some things we should get angry about and raise a fist in the air and say, no, this is not okay. Um, I believe that's also an effective tool in different ways. So I think there's a place for that his approach and a more aggressive, we say no approach, too, Um you know, they're, they can be effective in different ways. So while mm-hmm. at times I should learn from Mr. Rogers and use this approach, <laughs> like if I'm working, um, teaching someone something new at my company or something, I should be calm and lead by example and not, you know, drilling in their head that they're doing something wrong. And, you know, this is a good time for me to use this approach. And it's just a little reminder to me that I don't always have to be the protester screaming. Although there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. Um, I think there's definitely a place and a need for that in our society. Um, But I 
it doesn't have to be uh, doesn't have to be black or white. You can be all <laughs> literally. You can have all different <laughs> approaches. And again, yeah. it goes back to me trying to be a more well balanced person instead of living in extremes. I at times it's okay if I need to be extreme because extreme situations sometimes call for extreme reactions and action. Um, at the same time, not all situations call for an extreme response, and I can come a little bit more to center and try applying his philosophy to some problem solving. Yeah, I think Mr. Rogers would probably say something like, you know, everyone, it's also different people are different, have a tendency towards different things. Um, and that's also a good thing, right? Because it's the whole then becomes maybe more powerful than each individual part. So that diversity and approach, um, I think you're right, is probably a good thing. Absolutely. I I am absolutely I am right. <laughs> <laughs> Mark that one down, take a picture of yourself. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, well, I, can I point out one that I actually liked of what you had said, which was sort of we're all the same inside. Um, and actually, you know, one thing for me um, that I try to do more of, which is remember that and remember, yeah, in sort of like the people in my life who may frustrate me for one reason or another or make me angry or just I don't get, or I may ju be judging because I, for some reason, think they're crap because they did this or that or the other thing. Um, and to your point, some things are not acceptable, and that's there's that, but I'm sort of setting that aside for now. Um, but one of the things I think that struck me, too, was that you're right. Everyone needs to be loved, and I have a belief that's, that everyone doesn't want to be in pain either. Everyone hates pain. They hate disappointment, and, and we all do what we can to avoid it. Um, and for a lot of us, I think when we do things maybe that aren't great or we say things we may or may not regret later, that, but that may hurt somebody, we often do it out of a place of not wanting to be in pain ourselves or some kind of trigger. We call it trigger, right? Getting triggered. Um, and typically it's a, it's a pain, it's a fear, it's a something, um, but that that connection of we're all we are all the same on the inside and of the you know the things that go on in our world today, you know everyone does share that need and desire to be loved and that fear of fear and uncertainty, and anger at pain and and you know whatever they conceive to be injustice, um, and it's it's interesting to think on that path. Um, it, it, it sort of changes it to divisiveness, to connectedness. Um, and I'm not just talking about podcasts. I'm more talking about just sort of people in my everyday life, loved ones even, um, uh, and why they do what they do, maybe. That's really well said, Kim. And it just keeps, you know, bringing back the word compassion in my head and how mm -hmm. much better of a society of a world we'd have if we all had more compassion towards each other, even our so-called enemies. And that's a really hard thing to do. I, you know, I, uh -huh. as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, people that were staff in this abusive boot camp, terrible school I was at for a couple years as a kid, um, as a teenager. Uh, I talked about that a few episodes ago, but um, those people were really abusive and did terrible things and beat children and, you know, try to brainwash them and, you know, we're just kind of 
evil and I still see them as evil. I just wrote a book about it in my head. I had to challenge myself to say people are multidimensional and again, it's not evil or good. There are many variations for many things. So um, through writing my book, I had to learn to have more compassion because I didn't want to write about them in just a two-dimensional way and say, yep, that person mm-hmm. is evil. I, cha- I had to challenge myself to really think that of them as a human being, why they may be saying and doing those things, what their motivations were, what their backgrounds were. And also, they weren't all evil. There were some things they did nice for us that I wanted to include in there. Um, but that's really hard for me to do. And even though I did that in books, sometimes I just naturally, when I think about some of those staff members, I'm angry and I naturally think, nope, hate on their evil. I hope they are having a terrible life right now. But um, again, that I would be happier and maybe could let it go a little bit more if I had a little bit more compassion for them. Well, that's very generous of you. And and it's very and it's very difficult. I can imagine. I can't imagine, because um, yeah, especially that's the, those are the hardest people to do it with, right? Um, but the fact that it's even crossed your mind and there's awareness, I think, is is fantastic. So good for you. Thanks. I will bring up one other thing before I really want to hear about your episode. Can I say one other sure. little bit I learned? So this whole episode is about bubbles and they freaking talked about bubbles all the time so they're I'm gonna be honest it was kind of boring at some points like okay we get it you love bubbles um but so it got me thinking I just paused it and I wanted to learn about where bubbles came from because I was curious and if there's one thing Mr. Rogers has taught me well he's taught me many things but one of the things is to keep pursuing your curiosity so Mm. I actually looked up where bubbles came from and I thought it was kind of interesting um turns out bubbles soap bubbles started showing up in art as early as the 17th century and then they really got popular in 1886 where this guy Andrew Pears who was a farmer's son in England who created a soap company um, partnered up with this guy Thomas Barrett who apparently people call him the father of modern advertising I've been in marketing advertising never heard this guy but apparently uh, (laughs) sure Yeah, whatever. Okay, so the father of modern advertising that no one's ever heard of, and maybe we should, maybe he's a cool guy, I'm going to check him out, Thomas Barrett and this guy Andrew Pierce, who has the soap company, created an advertising campaign showing kids playing with bubbles for their soaps in 1886, and then they had a painting of a child playing with the bubbles, and it like was, it went viral in whatever ways go viral in 1886. Um, <laughs> So, conversations around the outhouses, right. yep, the carriage, yep, to the next that town, means- that kind of business, sure. Um, and then the modern bubble solution that we all know um, eventually came around um, 45 or 50 years later in 1940 in, hey, hey, my favorite town, kind well, my birth town where I just moved from and I love and I know you love too because you used to live there. Chicago. So um, Chicago can now be also known for making bubbles. And that was a company named Chem Toy that made Co- it. Corruption and making bubbles. Yeah. Well done, Chicago. <laughs> I'm just well, kidding. This, this toy company is called Chem Toy, like chemical toy. <laughs> I think, so, yeah. 1940s. <laughs> that would never pass for all the 1990s 
wired up parents who cared about toxic toys ink (laughs) so anyway that that was just a little snippet a little path i went down and thought it was interesting well i like that um it's interesting you for sharing that and looking it up and it actually you know my my episode was about growing um and you know he talks about inside and out and obviously he talks about outside um because he's talking to kids but he talks about inside too um, and you talk about curiosity and learning, um, and, you know, it just, it kind of had me thinking of, you know, it's funny how once we get to a certain age as adults, we think, okay, now I'm an adult, now I know everything, you know, and it kind of, you know, and, and then as you get older, you're like, oh no, but the 30 year olds, you know, once you hit 40, then the 30 year olds don't know anything, you know, <laughs> but when you were 30, it was the 20 year olds. And when you were 20, it was the 10 year olds, you know, and then once you're like 50, I'm sure it'll be the 40 year olds and then so on and so forth. Um, but it's, it, it, but that was, that's funny to me. Of that we do keep growing and we don't, but we don't really think of it that way as adults. We think we've kind of stopped, but because on the outside we don't grow or we, we sag is more of a better word maybe over time, <laughs> but, um, but we are still growing and it just, it was interesting to me because it kind of just sort of shifted a perspective in my life, which was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm in my early forties right now, but wow, do I have so much more to go and so much more to learn and so much more to grow? It like, instead of looking back or down at 30s and 20s and whatever, when I look ahead, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I've got as much or more, hopefully, of what I've already learned to learn yet, really, or to grow that much or more to grow yet. And when you think about that, you're like, wow, that makes me feel young as hell and just, just cool. That's neat. It's like, instead of what a lot of people do, and I have at times, is like beat ourselves up for not being where we should right now, emotionally or spiritually or career-wise or weight-wise or whatever. It's like, it's thinking more positively about it. Like, look how much more opportunity I have to grow. I love that. And something you also said uh, drove me nuts because it always drives me nuts, but not what you said, but it made me think about this. Um, I've always been the youngest person, the younger person in a group, like, for whatever reason, wherever I worked um, until the last, until I started hiring people that were born in the 90s and 2000s, um, <laughs> but um, where where I worked or my friends or my partner or whatever, like I was always the youngest person and neighbors, stuff like that. And I hate when people are like, oh, well, when you get in your 50s, you'll get yeah. it. Or like, I just have so much more life experience is basically what they're saying. And I'm like, back off, be like, no, it drives me nuts. And I try not to ever say that to anyone else because it's so dang condescending. And there are some 20 year olds that can tell you something about this world that some 60 year olds have never learned and need to know. So I, the age thing, like this also goes to my belief that I like my authority problem, which I don't think is a problem, of course, but I don't believe anyone should have authority over anyone. I know that's pretty extreme, but welcome to Megan. And, um, that goes for age too. And I know you weren't saying that at all, but the example of like looking down on others or yourself. And it wasn't looking down. It was more looking like down. If I'm looking at a chart, like I'm 40 now, you know what I mean? Down in age range is what I meant. Yeah. I'm not talking about you at all. Like just what you said obviously triggered some kind of little rage in me. And sure. now <laughs> about you, 
um, but about what a lot of other people do. And I have done it maybe a couple times in my life, and I've always felt really shamed right after. And a couple times I did apologize, but um, it's really comes from an insecurity. I think when people make that big deal about how much older and smarter they are, or like you know, it putting younger people down. Um, I yeah. just I wish we did a lot less of that because younger people have a lot to give us and age really doesn't equal intelligence or growth level. I, I'd agree with that. And, and I would say, you know, I, I think especially the people, the, the folks that will say it to a younger person, say it out loud. It is a defense. It's typically out of some sort of defense mechanism or they got triggered, they got frustrated or angry or maybe this person, this kid, there has been things where, you know, kids say something and you're like, okay, you really are like, you'll, you'll figure out that that's like, okay, right, true. not the end of the world. Like, right. Like you're not going to this party. I realize in your life right now, that is a big deal. And I'm, res- I respect my nieces very much for that. I'm like, no, but this is a huge deal in their life. Yeah. 30 years from now, they're not even remember, but right now it is a big deal. So that does make it a big deal. But to that point, so there are things like that, but I, I think when you say it out, it's, it's, it comes from that place of insecurity. Although I would say, you know, and, and I'm also with you, I learned so much from young people. You know, there, there's, I, I, I've always sort of said this analogy where it's like, young people don't have the burden of experience. They don't have the burden of fail, of eons more life of failure or pain or rejection or all these things which then changes the way you think and and they in some ways right they have this fresh almost clear perspective on things than maybe older people do however then you have the older people who i know you know there's this saying you know that you know this too shall pass And I remember someone I worked with a few years ago saying that to me about our boss, like, yeah, don't, yeah, he's like, but I get it. And he's, he's quite a bit older than me. And it was like, but I know at this point in my life, this will pass too. This boss will pass, like it'll all pass. So he didn't let it get to him. And it wasn't until the last year, maybe where I finally am starting to really get that. And to me, that really does come from experience. And so there is something I think I want to give credit, though, also to the older generation and the people 20 years from now, because there is a perspective that they have and an idea and a way of thinking that I can't even fathom right now. I mean, think about living another 20 years and what your perspective on on life will be, what your perspective on rushing to the fucking store for some stupid shit is going to be after it's 30 years from now and you've rushed to the store so many goddamn times, it's never mattered. You don't even care anymore. So, you know what I mean? I, I, I think there, I, I, where I like to be is I like to respect both ends for sort of what they have to offer. And where I am for me is I look forward to, to having a different, hopefully having a different perspective than I have right now in five years and 10 years and a year from now. Because even, you know, another part of what he talked about was your history is who you are. He said that. And, and that's right. And so the more history you gain, the, the, the different you you become. And that's growing and that's changing. And for me, I think that's really a cool thing to think about that, that, history isn't is a great thing to continue to get more and more of and it makes you who you are and that's just kind of neat 
I agree. And I think you just said it really well. Um, judgment on both sides is lame and like mm-hmm. really short-sighted. Um, I will say the older I get, the happier I am. And I don't want to go back to mm-hmm. the time when I was younger. Maybe I'll feel that way differently when I get older, but like, I just keep getting happier. I keep caring less about yeah. things and being more connected to myself. So I, yeah, I can't wait to get older. I feel like I am just getting I'm fitting more in my place and so and I also I I mean I've learned a ton from people that are older than me and my elders and I mean my gramps was you know my mm-hmm. my north star um I do think experience can lend obviously lends to to more understanding about the world and yourself and 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 how to re- react or not react to things but I don't think it's necessarily an equation because someone younger can have some of the same knowledge. So, um, yeah, I totally agree. I just think different knowledge. Yeah. Because they have a different life. Judge experiences. Like how is it okay to judge in people on age? Like it's judgment both ways is lame. I agree. I agree. Well, it's funny. I, one of the other things, um, we're almost out of time here. One of the other things that he then did is showed me me cause I was, he's did this for me. He showed me a picture album of before, you know, younger, and then now this person as adult, you know, them as a little kid. And I was like, how fun is that? And don't we all, again, now that have become adults, and maybe there's a certain age too where you start to like that even more. For me, I didn't care as much in my 20s as I do now. That doesn't mean everyone else doesn't. But I like to look back and be like, oh my gosh, remember I was little and everyone I know was little. And it was fun to see all those people that I love as little. Um, and but it made me think then, too, of what we're talking about, where it's like, you know, but you still in, in my head, I think in most people's head, you do still feel like, you know, when we have this conversation, it's this realization of like, okay, I do keep growing. And oh, my gosh, it's so much bigger to me and, and what I'm capable of and think and like you say, happier and just than I was even two years ago. But when we get older, it's harder because we don't have sort of these pictures to show this rapid growth. But really, that rapid that growth happens just as rapidly in older age as it does in your, you know, from four to seven. And wouldn't it be fun if somehow you could have like a picture of like or like a snapshot of like, I don't know if beliefs isn't quite the right thing, but sort of just like, I don't know, like of, of the inside and of like. I feel about this or my you know how far I've come on this or you know just just stupid things of like in the last year I learned photoshop you know like these are things you don't think about as really part of growing and sort of when you look at them the last year you're like holy shit like you know I grew six inches you know what I mean like and how cool would it be if we had some sort of something to help keep reminding us of how how great we still are doing as far as learning and growing I you know, this makes me think about journaling and how mm-hmm. I am terrible at it, but I know some of my friends are really good and they get a lot of out that out of that because they can go back a couple of years and see where their yeah. mindset was on something there. Um, and I mean, we kind of have that on Facebook. I know when I get the memory that pops up from 10 years ago and I'm like, oh, that was so lame. Why did I write <laughs> that? Was I <laughs> that concerned or that pissed off about that? It's like, it's you know it's so we kind of have that mm-hmm. um but some people get a lot out of journaling it makes me think like i don't want i can't add one more thing to my list right now but 
maybe ideally someday I start journaling because I think that can be really healthy to see how you've grown. And it also yeah. gives me the idea of like, you know, when your friend's kids um, come back from school and they have this thing every year where they're like, my favorite color is this. Yes. My favorite is yeah, this. Right. It's my like mom the same thing, totally. Yeah, my mom saved a couple from when I was a kid. Cute. What if we did that every year? We need to create an app where every year, like yeah. quarterly, it's like, what new thing did I learn this quarter? Or what did I... There's like three key questions we can put in there that like get to the heart of who you are at that time or what you're thinking. All right, let's add that to the business idea list. <laughs> That's good. Totally. Awesome. <laughs> we know one steals that. Well, awesome. <laughs> yeah, don't, we'll cut out that last part. No. <laughs> TM, copyright, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> well, yes. Well... Well, yeah, so we are all about out of time here. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, Kim, I'm sorry. I just go on a rant sometimes when I hear something of your wonderful story. I took that. <laughs> I took a hard right on that one, and I'm sorry. Um, Not at I, all. I love the insight you had, and it gets me thinking about growth in a different way. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. And, and absolutely. And and yes, thank you for always a fun and insightful conversation. I always um, feel, you know, sometimes I come into this conversation tired or whatever, um, or not feeling super great. And I always come out um, sort of refreshed and revived um, and hopeful. So thank you for that. Me too, dude. Thank you for this. Cool. Well, and thank you, Mr. Rogers, for providing us all this fun and insight. And of course, thank you to those of you that are listening. We do generally hope that you get as much uh, positive energy and hopefulness out of this uh, as we do. So with that, we will leave you with our favorite quote from Mr. Rogers, meant to keep those good vibes and genuine feelings going. And that is, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. Thanks again, everybody. Stay safe and be happy.